What's up, folks? This is Tony Brewer. You're listening to or watching as the case may be. Cogitations. Cogitations is the podcast where we think about things. We contemplate them. We turn them over in our minds and then we discuss them. Daniel chapter 7, verse 28, Daniel writes, Hitherto is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my cogitations much troubled me. My countenance changed in me, but I kept the matter in my heart. We are not going to keep the matter in our heart. We're going to talk about it. And today we're going to talk about sacrificial living for God. Now, I didn't make a mistype, a mistype, a typo. I'm not talking about sacrificial living I'm sorry, or giving. It's sacrificial living. And I'm developing this from a thought in Psalm 126 about sowing in tears, reaping in joy. You know what? I think that's a proverb. In fact, it's, it's 126 verse 5. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. So that proverb should give us a lot of comfort. Now, like all the proverbs, like any of the proverbs, this proverb is not axiomatic. In other words, it is not 100% true uh, distributed across every situation and every time. You're going to sow in tears. And in some cases, you're not going to reap in joy. Like it's, it's kind of like Proverbs, uh, is it 28? The wicked flee when no man pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. I've seen the wicked not flee. I've seen the wicked be very bold and courageous. And ah, there's a word. They have, a, they have audacity. Uh, they, they are tenacious. I've seen the wicked be tenacious in the face of, of righteous opposition. And I've seen the righteous flee uh, whenever they really shouldn't have. But it is a general truth that the wicked flee when no man pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. Just like it is a general root truth that they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. And there's some contingents surrounding that. Happy December 21st, Diana Merritt Harden. Hello, John J. Exum. And uh, we're so thankful for those of you that are tuning in. Uh, it's just, it, uh, the, the growth of this is really amazing to me. And Scott Beck asked if I was going to take any time off for the Christmas holiday. I may take a couple of days off next week, um, but I, I, I don't know. As I said to Scott, this really doesn't feel like work to me. It's something I enjoy. And I do know that we're not going to have near the, the audience uh, in the in the next couple of weeks going into the new year as we have because people are traveling, people are with family, and quite frankly, there's a whole lot more stuff for you to do that adds value to your life uh, during the Christmas holidays or the holiday season uh, than to listen to me on a live stream. So I'm grateful that I mean to me it's a it's a, it's a it's a million wonders that. With all of the things that you have access to, it's a million wonders that anybody sits down and listens to me. Uh, good morning, Wayne Vaughn. Good morning. Oh, sorry. Good morning, John Exum. I was sermon title: the submissive sacrificial subsisting of the child of God. Subsisting is a synonym for living. Yeah, the submissive sacrificial subsisting, buddy. That's a uh, that's quite an alliteration. I don't know if I could say that five times fast. Um. Let me tune in here 
uh, to the captions, and I want to hear a word from our sponsor. Uh, before we get into the meat of our podcast, Lindsay Dotson, Lindsay Faye Dotson at gmail.com. You know, she does a really good job with flyers, postcards, social media graphics, and other stuff. So the question is, are you part of a church congregation or other institution seeking effective ways to spread the word about your event? Well, look, look no further. Lindsay Dotson specializes in designing modern advertisements for churches or other institutions or companies. Whether it's flyers, postcards, social media graphics, Lindsay's got you covered. Reach out through a private message on Facebook or send an email to lindsayfaydotson at gmail.com for more details. Don't miss this opportunity to make your message resonate both far and wide. Contact Lindsay Dotson, lindsayfaydotson at gmail.com today. And uh, that's all we've got about that. We're so thankful to have her as a sponsor for the show. And now we're going to put up, I want you to follow us on Twitter if you can. We are live streaming on Twitter. And you know what? Uh, we have eight followers on Twitter. And one of those followers, we picked up the cause we're streaming on Twitter. It's a guy that I don't know anything about. And he, he retweet, he retweets. It's not Twitter anymore. It's X. Does he re X? Anyway, he, he re post the live stream. He's reposted the last three live stream. And that's, I think that's amazing. This, that's a guy that listens to the stuff that we would never have contact with otherwise. And it didn't cost a dime to get a profile on X formerly known as Twitter. So you might think about signing up and, and just checking it out. I'm not saying that you make that your final destination for all your social media needs, but you know what, if it don't cost a dime to do, and it gives us access to a different people, that's great. We're going to, we're going to focus a little bit of attention on that. But if you want to help us out the most, do a $5 subscription on Substack. That, that, that'll help us the most. Do, you can do a free subscription, and hopefully the way we've got it set up, you'll never feel like you're missing out on anything if all you have is a free subscription. But if you want to be kind of bought in and help us with the work and stuff like that, it's do, do a $5 a month subscription on Substack. Diana Harden, that's so sweet. Uh, you add great value to my life every day. Today's my 57th birthday, and I'm choosing to be here listening to you because I gain much from you. Tony, never underestimate your worth. Well, boy, that's, 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 um, yeah, that happy birthday. That's all I'm going to say about that. Um, you know how sheepish I get whenever folks dote on me. So, uh, yeah, it just, that all I can say is that's very high praise and thank you and happy birthday to you. And John Exum, I just read my own sermon title in brother Robert R. Taylor's voice. Yes. Um, Man, listen, if y'all are listening to this and you haven't heard of Robert R. Taylor Jr., you need to go on YouTube and type in Robert R. Taylor Jr. and listen to some of his sermons. Uh, they are amazing. His story is amazing. Um, he had a stutter. Uh, he had, uh, if, I'm, if I'm recalling correctly, now please fact check me. If I'm wrong, it's not because I'm lying to you. It's not because I'm trying to embellish or misrepresent. It's just because I have an imperfect memory. But I think, if I understand correctly, not only did he have a stutter, but he had a fear of public speaking. And the way he got around all of that is he would write out his lecture in manuscript form, and he would memorize it. And he would stand up on the podium. He would have his hands crossed, like, like interlaced, like I'm showing you here on the screen. And he would sit, 
and he would start preaching, and it was preached in a pretty fast cadence, not a lot of inflection, and what you got was just 100% substance with no fluff, no filler. It's amazing. But if you're not really in love with the uh, content, you're going to find it a little dry. But if you're in love with the content, Robert R. Taylor is probably one of the greatest orators uh, as far as just disseminating the plain and simple truth of God's word. Probably one of the great orators of our age. Anyway, that's that's all I'm going to say about that. Uh, good morning, Ted Knight. For once, I am on time. Well, now, Ted, that's not true. You're on time all the time. You've just been busy lately. I hope your Bible studies in Romania are going well. I'm assuming you're doing that through some kind of technology. Um, are you, I don't know. I, in other words, not that I'm all important, but I feel like I would know if you had left the country and went back to Romania. I figured you would share that on your Facebook, but um, I, I just I'm curious as if uh, how you're doing Bible studies in Romania. If you're not at Romania, that that's you know th- Zoom, man, that's awesome. So, Ted, here's what that tells me: if you're able to do Zoom. You should be able to do restream, and we can get you as a guest on the Christianity Now show with me and Aaron Dotson, and you can do that from the privacy of your home where you are now at the same place where you do the Zoom meetings. So that would be cool. All right. We'll, we'll talk about that later. We'll After the first of the year, uh, Preston Silcox is going to be the guest in January, and I need to I need for February through December I need to line up guests for the show uh, for our Christianity Now podcast. Anyway, um, yeah, I'm glad I got to meet Brother Taylor as well and set. Oh yeah, it, listen, it isn't it, it's so weird that um, I met my wife and I met Brother Taylor while we were at school and and got to know him a little bit. N- not much. I mean, like we weren't like bosom friends. I, I, I we weren't we weren't even what I'd call friends. Uh, we were acquaintances. He knew me because I was a student, and he knew me as um, well. Anyway, he he just he knew of me. I, I I don't want to make this more than what it was. And then lo and behold, like two or three years after we graduated school, Labeth was friended on Facebook by Brother Taylor's daughter, and Brother Taylor's daughter told Labeth that Brother Taylor mentions us from time to time. And I'm like, that can't be true. Who am I? Who are we that that Brother Robert R. Taylor Jr. would think of us beyond he saw us at a lectureship? Anyway, that just blows my mind. It lets you know, it lets you know, you never ever know who's out there and who's looking and who's rooting for you. It also never, it also, not that, but you, you do need to understand, you never know who's on the sideline wishing for your failure. But those people out there, they're out there, they're rooting for you, they're cheering you on, they're praying for you, and that's huge. That's huge. So anyway, that's all I'll say about that. Let's talk about this, this, uh, this parable. It's not a parable. I've been, I've been stuck on the parables. Let's talk about this psalm. This is one of my favorite psalms, and y'all know whenever we study the Bible, that that's you. I promise I'm not lying. It's just the, I guess the passage of scripture or the parable or the book. 
uh, or the account uh, that I'm studying at the moment, it's my favorite. And it's true. Uh, it, psalm 126 is my favorite psalm until we start so, until we start studying Psalm 122 or 125 or 137. You get it? All right. Anyway, good morning, Terry Crooks. It's so good to see you. All right, let's read the entirety of the psalm. I love this. When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Then said they among the heathen, The Lord hath done great things for them. The Lord hath done great things for us, whereof we are glad. Turn again our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Man, I love that. So I actually wrote an article on Substack that is I've linked in the show notes. Um, let me, you know what? I should have had that keyed up. I'm not going to read the article, but I do want to take some segments from it or some segments. I do want to take some thoughts from it. Uh, let me, come on, computer. Your com- my computer runs really, 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 really fast until I need it to do something really, 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 really fast. Then it don't do really, really fast. All right. Now, in the heart of the Psalms, nestled within the ancient songs of Israel, lies a comforting truth encapsulated in Psalm 126, 5 and 6. These verses present a vivid illustration of the principle of sacrificial sowing and reaping, a theme that resonates through Scripture. We're going to look at these verses today, and we're going to explore their significant their significance in the application in the life of the believer. So, anyway, that's all I'm going to read of the that's not that's all I'm going to read of the uh, of the article there. But you can you can click on it and read it. I think it's a good article. I, these articles that I write for Substack. They're not designed to be deeply impactful, profound argument or articles, arguments or or, or propositional um, proofs. They're just they're just something light, surfaced to kind of encourage you throughout your day. Bringing in the sheaves, we shall come rejoicing. Bringing in the sheaves, yes. And the reason why you're getting this content is a couple of weeks ago, one of the song leaders at Riverview led bringing in the sheaves and and we have the book that uh brother jeff Cope put together and he has um helps like if like under the title of the song you'll have a couple of verses that are pertinent to the song itself and he missed it with bringing in the sheaves he didn't put psalm 126 that to me that entirety of that song like we shall come rejoicing bringing in the sheaves like how can how can you not how can you not how can you miss psalm 126 anyway i i I, it, I put my tongue in my cheek and i said if brother jeff coat were not in paradise at the moment i would call him up and i would give him some grief about missing psalm 126 um don't don't repeat that because you know i wouldn't do it even if he were alive all right now I love this psalm. The first time that I was introduced 
to the profundity of this song. Man, it was years ago, and Cliff Goodwin preached a sermon about sowing in tears and reaping in joy, and he gave this illustration. He said, think about what you can do with grain, okay? If you have a five-pound sack of grain, you can grind that grain, you can put a little sugar, you can put a little salt, and you can let it set and get bacteria from the air, and then you can have that as sourdough starter, and you can, with that five pounds of grain, you can make enough bread to last you for months. And in the immediate, in the short term, your belly will be filled and you won't be hungry. There's just one problem. You only have a temporary fix. It's not sustainable because once it's gone, it's gone. But if you give that grain back to God, you have an inexhaustible supply of food, of sustenance, of blessing. It's just you have to delay your gratification. That is sacrificial living. You sacrifice your moments for eternity. That's a really good trade. Now, think about when you're hungry and you're taking that grain and you're you're broadcast spreading that grain in order to grow a crop. And you're weeping because you're like, I trust in God, but I'm so hungry. Have you ever, I can think of a time in my life where I did the right thing. I did what I was supposed to do, regardless of how it affected me or the people around me. And it hurt in the moment, but it paid off dividends orders of magnitude beyond my initial suffering in the future. Have you ever experienced that? I dare say if you've been walking in the faith for any length of time, you have. And I want you to think back on those times of success, because if you've done it once, you can do it again. And if God came through for you once, he will come through for you again. Think about all the times in the prophets where by the mouth of the prophet, God reminded the children of Israel, hey, you remember when you were held captive in Egypt and I liberated you and I led you out of the house of bondage by my strong right hand and I was with you in the wilderness and I led you around by the pillar of smoke by day and the pillar of fire by night? Just as I did that in the past, I can help you again. All you have to do is live by faith. Walk by faith. Don't oppress the poor. Don't take advantage of those that don't have advocates. Do justice. Love mercy. Walk humbly with your God. That's all I require of you. And you'll be my God and I'll be your people. And then, of course, they rebelled. And then we have Jeremiah coming along and saying, look, I'm, I'm going to make a new covenant that's different from the covenant of old, not different than the covenant I made with their fathers. In this covenant, I'm going to write my word on their heart. No longer will a man teach his neighbor about God because every man in the kingdom will know. And now that's the Christian age. 
But doesn't God still work in the world today? Doesn't God still want us to walk in faith? Doesn't God still provide for his children? If we do well, will it not be accepted of us? If we do not well, then sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. Folks, just like in the long ago, in the patriarchal age, just like under the Mosaic covenant, the, the, the Messianic covenant, we still live with a God that loves us and cares about our joy and our well-being. And we still have laws of the universe. And if we do well, then we will be accepted. It will be accepted of us. But if we do not well, then we're going to enter into a copulative relationship with sin, the progeny of which is chaos, death, destruction. They that sow in tears will reap in joy. It will be better off for us if we sacrificially live. What is up, I jet to Moby? And the Sword and Pearl, hello. Ted Knight says, I can tell you are feeling good today. I am feeling good, actually. Um, yeah, I've had some good conversation. I've had some, some good experiences. I'm feeling good in my body. Things are things are wonderful. Um, the church up here at Riverview is is doing wonderful. Um, it's just it's just amazing. Uh, we're 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 doing we're doing well. Uh, the family's doing well. The church is doing well. Labeth is doing well. Labeth, uh, she's a therapist here in Canada now, and I think she's booked up. Like you, in in order in in order to get an appointment with her. You've got to wait like two months. They've already, oops, of course I spilled that. Uh, they've already come to her and said they're going to give her a raise. They said they've never seen anything like it. They're well pleased. All right. Um, let's just let's just talk about the lesson, or or let's talk about the the, the psalm itself. So in the, I've got some notes on the psalm here. You may bear with me just a second. I should have had this pulled up. Um, psalm 126, first off, is a song of ascent. It's a piece that is traditionally understood to be sung by the Israelites as they journeyed up to Jerusalem and, incidentally, to the temple for religious festivals and feast days. The psalm reflects the community's deep emotional journey from captivity to freedom marking a powerful narrative of sorrow turned into joy. And I wish to high heavens I knew the tune. And I suppose they chanted it. I don't know. I would love to hear this, but then you would have to understand it in Hebrew. I wish, so I guess I'm 46 years old. I don't guess it's too late to start learning, to learn Hebrew. And uh, I would love to hear these psalms sung in Hebrew. Anyway. When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Folks, this psalm opens with a recollection of this past deliverance. The psalmist reflects on a time when God restored the fortunes of Zion. And they're referring to the return from captivity of the Babylonian exile. The phrase used, like them that dream, suggest a sense of disbelief 
of overwhelming joy at their restoration. Have you ever have you ever been given have you ever felt anxiety about an answer that you've been waiting to receive and when you receive the answer that you wanted that is good have you ever giggled or laughed that is a phenomenon that is associated with something called the guillotine laugh now it's a different reason so basically it's a it's a dopaminergic response um if i have anxiety because i'm waiting on a yes or no answer from you and i really need the yes response if you come to me and say hey tony i've thought it over look you're right the answer is yes let's do it i might go oh that's good well that laugh is it's 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 a it's a genuine response to the alleviation of anxiety because i get a a, a how would you say serotonin serotonergic or serotonic. Anyway, I get a big boost of dopamine and serotonin and it makes me happy. So it bubbles up. Now the, the opposite of that, uh, yes, test Scott Beck. <laughs> I imagine you're pretty well versed in that one. Uh, and in fact, it reminds me, uh, in fact, I've told Ted hook Knight about this, um, about, I can spend 12, 15 years ago now, I had a knot come up on my neck. And you know, I've, I, I got to thinking about this after I told Ted the story. I, I'm, I've been lying to people. I've said the size of a goose egg. Then I remembered how big goose eggs are. Folks, it weren't the size of a goose egg. Well, probably it was, was closer to the size of a golf ball. Anyway, but it was a knot and it shouldn't have been there. And, um, went to the, went to the family doctor. They said, well, it's undoubtedly a lymph node. Uh, the family doctor sent me to a surgeon to remove it, to go get a biopsy and all this, that, and the other. And, um, it was an outpatient surgery. And, you know, I could tell that he was being vague and I could tell, now keep in mind, like I was in, I was in my mid thirties. I may, it may have been early thirties. I can't remember y'all. And he said, uh, he, he was being vague. Like he wouldn't tell me and he wouldn't commit to this. You know, like, well, no, this is nothing. This is just a precaution. Like he was hedging and I think he was preparing me for the worst. Well, in hindsight, I know he was preparing me for the worst because whenever, uh, we came back, once the biopsy results came back, we're sitting in the waiting room, my wife and I, and the doctor comes in, he, he throws open the door and he holds out that sheet of paper. He said, it's benign. Y'all, there was now either he's a really, really good actor or there was such a genuine relief in his voice and a genuine happiness to tell me this good news that that alone told me that he thought this was going to be really, really bad. And then whenever we were talking, he, he, he admitted as such. So I've, I've been there. And of course, whenever he said it's benign, it's all good. I had that, <laughs> like that, that, that bubbled up kind of laughter. And I know Scott Beck has been battling with cancer and I could imagine he has had that. If he has received good news from test, 
I would imagine he knows within recent memory how that feels. Anyway, I probably spent way too much time on that. But we were as them that dreamed. We couldn't believe it. We couldn't believe what was going on. All right? Now, then, so once it, once it dawned on us, verse 2, our mouth was filled with laughter. We, we had this response that was just wonderful. And our tongue with singing. Oh, I think about James. If anybody's happy, let him sing a psalm. Then said they among the heathen. So, so, so important and so impactful was the liberation of the Israelites from Babylonian captivity that even the heathen said their God has dealt well with them. Their God hath done great things for them. And now they go from their perspective. The Lord hath done great things for us, whereof we are glad. You know, that wouldn't be a bad phrase to say every day. The Lord has done great things for me. Because of that, I'm glad. Well, what has the Lord done for me? Well, for one, I'm, what? listen, listen to this. You hear me? I breathed in. I've got this noise gated, so you may not be able to hear that. But I breathed in, and then I exhaled. You know how much I love doing that? I do it like all day long, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I inhale and exhale. It's one of the, it's one of the funnest things that I do in my life. It's one of the most satisfying things. Oh, and a real good yawn? What you talking about? Man, I could yawn right now. Get, get, stretch out them lungs, get that oxygen down to the very bottoms of them. Folks, it's a gift from God. We should be glad for our very lives because, quite frankly, we don't deserve them. Well, we were not supposed to be here. Do you remember whenever God told Adam, the day wherein thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die? A lot of times I feel like we conceptualize that as a spiritual death as well we should, but I think we miss the mark or we miss the point if we conceptualize it as a spiritual death only. Adam and Eve were not supposed to live past the garden once they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The day wherein they ate thereof, they were supposed to die. Now, how is it that you and I are alive? Because according to Ephesians chapter 3, before the foundation of the world, God prepared for this. And therefore, because the grace had already been provided, he was able to show mercy to Adam and Eve in the garden and said, look, you're going to have some problems because of this, but you're going to be able to live. And there's hope. There's hope. Someone is coming to take care of this problem. You're supposed to die, but somebody is going to die in your stead. See how that works? We, talking about sacrificial living, our justification of life is Christ Jesus. We're not supposed to be here. The, the way we can justify being alive is by pointing to the cross. So every one of us has received this free gift of life and what do we need to do with it? According to 2 Corinthians, we need to give it back to God. 
we need to sow in tears because sometimes it's hard to sacrifice, but we need to understand that we're going to come again reaping in joy, bringing our sheaves with us. Anyway, I kind of got sidetracked there. The Lord hath done great things for us, wherefore we are glad. And then I can't decide if this is, because remember, this is poetry. And so sometimes whenever a song is sung, it's sung from the perspective of something that is long past. In other words, it's almost like metaphorically through the lyrics of the song, we are transported back in time. So back in time, whenever they were, whenever they were in captivity, they would have been crying, turn again our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. So either the lyrics of this psalm has transported the reader back in time to whenever the, the children of Israel would have been crying out to God with the understanding that a little bit of sacrifice now would reap orders of magnitude more than what they sacrificed in the future. Or now that they have been brought out of the captivity, the person singing the psalm is like, we need some help and we want you to increase us. And this is a reference to Ezra and Nehemiah and the messages of the messages of Haggai and Zechariah. Y'all, I couldn't think of those two names to save my life for about three seconds there. So either which way I think is fine. And I, I, interestingly enough, I did a little bit of research. Let me, um, the reference to the streams in the South or the Negev, it alludes to the arid region that relies on seasonal waters for rejuvenation. Just as the desert blooms after it rains, the psalmist is praying for a similar revitalization of the people. So think about what happened. What did Haggai tell him? Uh, listen, how long are you going to sit in your sealed houses while the Lord's house lays desolate? Think back to when you came from the captivity and how everything you touched turned to gold. That's not what the scripture says exactly, but that's in effect. Think about how much you were blessed. And it's because you came back, you were doing the right thing. But you allowed this bureaucracy and these lawyers to stop you working on the temple. And now you're doing the equivalent of putting money in a sack that has holes in it. You don't know why that you plant and you don't have enough harvest. You, 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 get, you get money, but you don't have enough of it. You're putting it in a sack without holes. You're just spinning your wheels. It's because you need to get back on track and start building this temple. Well, I wonder if the psalmist is saying that. Like, hey, turn again this captivity. Just like in a desert region, these waters provide sustenance and things are uh, 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 lush and prosperous after these rains, we want you to bless us this way and make us lush and prosperous again. And then, th then here's the proverb. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. This, this, this poignant reflection on God's deliverance, this transformative power of hope and faith, they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. 
He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. This imagery of sowing and reaping, folks, is profound, it's impactful, and it serves as a metaphor for the Israelites' experience. It speaks to the idea that their current suffering and efforts, sowing and tears, will ultimately lead to a harvest of joy. The precious seed may actually represent their faith, their labor, and even their pain endured during the captivity, suggesting that their current suffering will lead to a future return that's rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves. Think about the temple that they built. Haggai told them, of those of you that remember the old temple, you look at this temple and how do you consider it? You consider it as nothing. You consider it as second rate. But what you don't understand is this temple that you've built after the captivity is going to attain a much higher status of glory than the temple that Solomon built because the very Messiah of whom or for whom we so diligently seek, he is going to walk the grounds of this temple. So you're actually better off now after the captivity than you were before the captivity. This psalm and the meaning of it moves from a community's past joy and deliverance to a present plea for sustenance and restoration. And it ends with the assurance that those who sacrificially live and they continue in that way steadfast that even though they're sacrificially living and they're sorrowful for the moment, that they will see their toil and sacrifice turned into joy and abundance. This psalm not only offered comfort and hope to the Israelites, but it continues to speak throughout the annals of time unto us today. Folks, I love it. Sacrifice a few moments for joy in eternity. I think that's about all I've got. I hope that this podcast, as short as it is, offers you some hope, offers you some comfort, offers you some encouragement, and I hope you've got a, a passage of Scripture in your quiver now that you can turn to in times of sorrow, in times of doubt. Hey, listen, it's hard being a Christian. So when the going gets tough, just remember, they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. It's hard now, but it's going to be a lot better later. And that's all I've got. Folks, I really appreciate every one of you. Follow us on Twitter. And remember, if um, for those of you who like to support the show, we're going to have the tip jar up here. Uh, near churches at gmail.com. You can do a $5 subscription on Substack. Um, you can also send a PayPal, near churches at gmail.com, or you can do a, a dollar a month subscription on Podbean, uh, uh, not Podbean, uh, Patreon, www.patreon.com forward slash Christianity Now. But that's all I've got here, folks. This has been Tony Brewer with Cogitations, powered by Christianity Now. You can subscribe to the podcast on uh, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and TuneIn Radio. And uh, be sure and subscribe and, and do all that stuff on YouTube. And, uh, yeah, that's it, folks. 
We'll catch you on the flip side.